Welcome to On The Circuit, live at Fearless Investing Summit 2023, hosted by Nitrogen. I am ecstatic to introduce my next guest, Julie Johnson, President and CEO of XY Communication. Thank you so much, Johnny. Excited to be here. I'm like thrilled for us to chat. We've been talking for a a little while now before we we hit record. I think we've known each other through circles for a very long time. Yeah, but this is our first in-person uh, sit-down. Yeah. So this is, this is fun. So, hey, first of all, XY Communication, no relation, by the way, to XY Planning Network, anything like that. How'd you come up with the name for your company? Well, so it, it's a little bit of a joke between Michael and I. I actually became XY before he did. You So you're the OG XY. No relation to my age, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and of course, I'm not competitive at all. But anyway, <laughs> so XY, um, so I am a generational communications. Mm-hmm. I say authority. Mary Kate Gulick is like, Julie, you got to say expert. So I started saying expert. Okay. Uh, generations and gender, right? Mm-hmm. And X and Y relates to oh, yeah. Gen X, Gen Y, as well as the XY chromosome. Yeah. So that is how I came up with the name. That's fascinating. I I just love talking to founders about how they came up with the name for the business. And that's a great story. It ties in so well into the story of your company. Yes. Which is what we're going to get into a bit here. So uh, I I, I phrase it like this. Tell me, what do you do at XY and why should advisors care? What I love to do at XY is help people figure out authentically and confidently who they want to be as a financial professional and then figure out how to communicate that to their audience. And what do I mean by that? Um, I was an, I was an advisor in the wirehouse space for about 15 years and the authentic person that I wanted to be was very human first, very relationship first And I was told often, Julie, this is business. It's not personal. Move on. And so I was basically told the way that I wanted to do business for the first 15 years of my career was wrong. And when I knew that I had something going on right was in 2008 and 2009 when we actually grew our practice by 15%. And it was purely because relationships a, they didn't leave us. B, we were always there for them. Therefore, they we increased the wallet share. So the amount of money that we held that was theirs. And they sent us referrals. So I knew the relationship piece of it was so crucial. Um, and that, you know, so I just, I've been very blessed to bring that sort of fast forward into the future. And as if you very, as you very well know, it's been, it it's a slow journey, right? Um, you know, just now is the human first, holistic, future, relationship based planning really uh, getting the street cred that it deserves, and um, couldn't be more excited about it. Couldn't be more excited to be here with you and so many fabulous people at the Fearless Summit. I'm excited personally about this trend of financial advisors moving toward 
as you keep saying, human first relationships, because, you know, as a marketer, I'm really just like an amateur psychologist who just pretends to be one uh, every once in a while. So uh, it, it, you know, the behavioral psychology, behavioral finance is the fascinating part to me, really, about money management, about relationships and money. Could not agree more. Um, much, but yeah, I'm not a math guy. So let's put, the, put that out there. Not a quant over here. So that's what I get fascinated by and excited by. Um, and, and what you really do with helping people communicate is helping people build real relationships between clients, between team members within a firm. Um, what do you think is... That's a big question, but what's the number one thing that holds back advisors from embracing, um, you know, the, those the more relationship-driven side of the business? I suppose that's such a such a powerful question. So I think the number one thing is their own personal fear potentially of showing their own vulnerability of being a human themselves, right? And showing to others what that looks like. Maybe it's not perfect, right? Maybe it's a little messy. Maybe, you know, what have you. But I can tell you at 53 years old, finally knowing how much better it feels to sort of have let my hair down and having stopped trying to feel perfect and be everyone's everything, it is so freeing and so empowering. And Steph Bogan, I was very honored to do a presentation here at Nitrogen this morning. And what we talked about so much was figuring out who you are and who you want to be first. You may not attract every client, but you know what? At the end of the day, you don't want to attract every client, right? We want to attract the clients that we really want to work with. And so by, by, figuring out, doing the work to embrace who we authentically want to be, why we want to be the type of advisor or financial professional that we want to be. And I, I really encourage every individual to take the time to figure out their own story and to go deeper, not just I want to help people, but what is it about maybe your past? What is it that you saw or experienced yourself or heard from a friend or family member that made you truly want to get into this industry. And don't be afraid to share that. As, as we talked about earlier, um, by 2030, more than 70% of assets under management will be held by women and people under the age of 55. Why does that matter? Women and people under the age of 55, and it's statistically proven, go Google it, they want deeper relationships. They want their financial professional to provide a safe space for them, a judgment-free zone, so that they feel safe to come to you with any questions, any concerns, any fears. Um, and then, you, you know, get into the wealth transfer, the great wealth transfer, family and money, some of the most emotional conversations you can ever have. So if we as financial professionals are confident as emotional partners, if you will, or people who can sit with clients to help them navigate these very challenging conversations, 
the loyalty, the trust, the engagement, it just grows exponentially. You mentioned the great wealth transfer, and that's, um, sur- I guess, maybe not surprisingly, but I didn't expect it to be such a theme in my conversations this week so far. I've been hearing people talk about that a lot, and, and for good reason, because it's, it's a lot of it's money. A, yeah, it's going to be <laughs> And very it's important. happening fast. It's going to be very important. But, you know, certainly on the marketing and communications side, I have conversations with advisors about the importance of making you know the outreach to children of clients um, or e- even sometimes it goes the other way, you know, like of uh, parents of, yep. of clients, which yep. we don't talk about enough. Like the conversation is pretty one sided of talk to your client's kids. But if your clients have parents, you also need to talk to them, too. So couldn't um, agree more. How uh, you know what? What's your best advice, I think, for advisors of um how to have those multi generally how to start those multi generational conversations so the experience that i've had is you start with whomever your client is right and you first and foremost you get to know them as well as you can and then you ask them okay mr or miss client you want me to talk with your parents because maybe their financial advisor is guiding them to do something that you don't feel is in their best interest. And so what I always advise people to do is to do a lot of discovery, ask a lot of questions, figure out why they are nervous, why they're uncomfortable, why they feel that whatever they're being uh, asked to do is not in their best interest. Figure out, okay, tell me more about your parents so you can get to know their personality. What are, what are their needs? What are their pain points? What are the best solutions for them? And then in ha- asking those questions during the discovery, you're able to determine the best way to answer that and the best way to address whatever that might be. There's really no right or wrong. Well, let me say it a different way. There, there's no um, easy answer, right? You got to do the due diligence. You got to get in and, and ask the questions and do the homework and, and then figure out what the best way is to address it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I've noticed, Julie, that you have a females in finance pin on your lanyard. Huge fan. And love Cheryl Hickerson and what she's doing um, with that group. And I, I, I want to ask for your thoughts on so you, you threw out that stat, 70% of wealth is going to be controlled by women and people under 55. And when you say that, it makes me think to, uh, the, well, the Fearless Invest, uh, Fearless Women Summit that we had this morning and just the continued need for more women in the profession and, and obviously other underrepresented groups in this industry. For maybe an advisor listening to this, they've, they've got a team. They need to add another advisor to the firm. How do you build a firm it's very welcoming and attractive if you're trying to recruit or you recognize you need to recruit a woman advisor? Because I think it's pretty obvious that, that we need some more balance. And as a whole, the advisor profession should begin to reflect the population more. Like, that's it. How, how, how do you build firms where it's welcoming to have more women join the industry and, and stay in it? So I'm going to answer that in a couple of different ways. Um, first and foremost, I am a huge proponent of, of diversity in our industry. 
without a doubt. Um, and I mentor many young women in our industry and you hear the, you hear similar stories. Unfortunately, the conversations of, of the past where it's either demeaning or there's inappropriate statements or what have you, sometimes those things still happen. So it's educating the, you know, the mentors, the teachers, the more senior advisors and or management. It's really making sure that they are the best educators. They're the best mentors. They're the best people with the best language to make younger advisors, no matter, you know, the, the, uh, background that they are welcoming that they ask questions, that they become curious. What is important to those younger people? How can we welcome you and make you feel heard and a part of our team? And on the flip side, here the, the more senior people have to be very, very transparent about what the reality of the role looks like. So often, you know, they're brought in, they're promised a bunch of money or they're promised this or they're promised that in time. And we need to realize that younger generations, when, when something is promised to them relatively quickly to them, that means maybe a week, maybe a month. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean a year or two, right? So it's being super transparent about defining the roles. Um, and to get even more sort of broad, I guess, on the topic, we, I call it reciprocal mentoring because it goes both ways. We need to do the best that we can to honor the younger generation and help them learn how to advocate for themselves in a way where the way that they're stating what they need and what they want sounds respectful. So one of the things that's a little bit challenging, and I've heard this from a lot of different people, um, younger advisors, and this is not a dig, it just is what it is. Younger advisors sometimes tend to come in and have in a, in, um, not inappropriate expectations, but just expectations that don't make sense. Too, too high out of the yes, gates. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's not saying no, it's saying, okay, that's not something that we can do, but let's talk about some things we can do, making it a win-win. And I guess that the big point is, is number one, don't assume we know what they need and what they want. Ask. And then figure out a way to provide a win-win solution that is a win for the younger advisor and that is a win for the company. Mm. That was a very long-winded answer. <laughs> That's perfect, though. That's great. I love the depth that that you are are giving back to me with these. Um, okay, we're gonna wrap things up with a themed question. So, Uh-oh. every interview that we do here at Fearless Investing Summit, I'm a- I'm asking my guests to tell me what's the number one most important thing advisors need to be doing right now to keep clients fearless, make them feel safe. Financial professionals need to make their clients feel safe to ask questions and not feel stupid. 
So much of what we have to do is is educate in a way that, you, you know, it's like you're having coffee with a friend, right? Let's just talk. What's going on for you? So I think to help empower our clients, we need to help them to feel safe to ask questions so that they feel confident in the decisions that they make and that they and and that they know that we always have their best interests at heart. And that safety, I think, comes back to what you were talking about earlier with building those deep relationships. Yep. Yeah. Trust, loyalty, all of it for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Julie, thank you so much for joining thank you, me Johnny. on the Pleasure. circuit. Yeah. It's so Woo. good to do this with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of On the Circuit. We recorded this live at the 2023 Nitrogen Fearless Investing Summit. Make sure you hit subscribe, hit like, leave a comment on this episode to make sure that you stay up to date with everything happening on the circuit. And we'll see you next time.